0: to know the real difference between them and us until now we were never given a chance and speaking of we i'm nika i'm dylan i'm kyle And I'm Jonah, and I hope you survive the experience. Well, I think we all hope you survive the experience, mister. I'm in charge of fate over here. Talk about destiny.
1: Well, you see, I'm actually Mr. Sinister clone right now. I was transplanted here, and yeah, it's actually my show now. (coughs)
0: It is pretty certainly always the Sinister show the moment. Señor Essex. And now I desperately need Mr. Sombrero, and I won't stop until I get it. So we are here to discuss... I would say two of the most revolutionary issues in the history of mainstream Marvel comics. I feel like when we started the House of X powers of 10 roller coaster, we were all in for a, you know, bumpy night, but I'm kind of like getting like star fucked right now over and over again. I was blown away when the opening salvo of this motherfucker was the Krakoa reveals. Dylan, reading House of X number one and the Krakoa reveals and then powers of 10 number one with the time jump what were your expectations of the story going from there that issue one point
2: like you said a bumpy ride is the best way to say it because to start out with house of x and krakoa being an important ideal krakoa has been brought back here and there throughout x-men comics and especially during the time of wolverine and the x-men But to make Krakoa be, (laughs) (laughs) to make Krakoa be the now nation of mutants in that first issue of House of X, it's just pretty amazing that Hickman is tying so much from X-Men past to the current and then to jump forward and back so much in powers with the mentioning of Nimrod, which has been the X-Men's biggest villain from the far, far future. It's just amazing that Hickman is going through every... Time with the X-Men. And
0: speaking of time and iterations, one of the biggest shocks any of us could have experienced was Moira X and her many lives, as well as the further development of the future and the later realization that that future was Moira Nine's life. So who the fucking dick shit knows if it's even fucking happened dick shit. Fuck now. Well, Jonah, you're new to all of this. And so we're just as confused as you are. But you're a fan who's reading this parallel with some fascinating other things as you read this material where moira is responsible for an entire new generation of x-men ideology you're reading her be responsible for a whole new generation of x-men in the pages of new mutants tying together those threads that almost shakespearean theatricality of cyclical character do you see Hickman's greater plan for mutants and Moira as you are reading the same material that inspired him and having read New X-Men, which he also champions.
1: Yes, I believe I I can see that this Moira is written so well that hindsight doesn't actually matter that much because everything that Moira does in the past has some form of an explanation now. Or you can give it an explanation more than just Moira's a good person and she thinks Charles should be doing more, even though at that time he was hosting uh, Brood Queen. But even through that, Moira is still the one's really... Pulling the strings and pushing everything and Moira is the catalyst. Moira
0: is, for lack of a better f- phrase, a mocking jay. I don't remember the mocking jay song, so I'm just going to make it up now. Ooh, bird noises. Bird noises, <laughs> Rudy. Oh, so
2: Rest in peace, Prim.
0: And Prim. You know, for all the shit you give me and my precious genie, she is a bird who does not stay dead. So I think what I'm trying to say is you can do whatever you want, but you cannot bury Jean deep enough. There are three things in this world that are eternal. Cockroaches, Cher, and Jean Grey. And she doesn't even have to turn back time. Speaking of turning back time, at the end of House of X 3 and 4, we were all concerned that this would require some amount of time travel. After all, the X-Men had just died heroically destroying a mother mold. Which, as much as it sounds like a Buster Bluth storyline, the mother mold represented a a serious threat to the future of mutant kind as well as humanity. Kyle, you were certainly unsure of where the narrative would be able to go from something as severe as the death of, well, you know, all the nameable X-Men. Coming into these two issues that we're going to discuss today, where was your mind at before you began the journey to what would ultimately be the end of death as it stands for mutants in the Marvel Universe?
3: I was worried. I wasn't sure how they were going to dig themselves out of that hole. I knew that they had to do something because all of those characters exist in the upcoming Dawn of X titles. So I wasn't sure if maybe we were seeing a different life of Moira or if those upcoming titles were a different life, but I just couldn't see a way forward from that.
0: And the way forward, it turns out, is through the past, but not necessarily in the way that we might have been thinking. It would seem that the way forward is constantly through the past, and that is over and over again, the idea of this series. Whether or not you fully accept the Moira X reveal, it's what it is. Moira has now lived through ten incarnations of her own life, and how those pieces fit together will likely come together in the pages of Powers of X number six, or perhaps that is part of Hickman's five-year bigger plan. But once again, the X Men have to turn to the past to make the present more actualized. One of the more undeniably wonderful elements of Powers of Ten, number four, by Hickman and Silva is. A strong connection to the characters that the story is built on. And the same, I guess, can be said of House of X by Hickman and Loraz, though we'll get to that in a moment. Powers of Ten, number four featured what can only be described as, uh, gay Mr. Sinister. But aren't
1: all Mr. Sinisters gay?
0: I mean, like, when Mr. Sinister started out, he was, like, creepy and rapey and pointy teeth. And now he's kind of like, honey, do you remember when I was that ferocious? And now I'm just fierce. And, like, he is Mr. Sasha Ferocia. He is amazing his cape looks like hell ribbons not just anybody can pull that look off with that big barrel chest maybe mm. and, and
2: maybe i'm just being crazy when i say this but maybe since i don't know if certain members of this show know but there's been the times where he's gone through female bodies maybe he's just become more accepting with himself you
0: know one of the things about mr sinister that so defines his character is a willingness to genetically experiment on himself sinister's kind of like my genetic code looks plain today i'm going to get it pierced and like he comes home with a genetic code full of swiss cheese and he's like my body's rejecting it must add
3: something that makes my body not reject it
0: ah <laughs> rhinoceros but hey can set your mind on fire <laughs> and like he is just the most fun and it's that openness to His own openness and cutting himself open, I guess, that so defines his character. I think not having a pansexual, gender-fluid, fun, and sort of a bonkers fourth-wallsy kind of way. Like, if Deadpool did drag, it's very Bob the Drag Queen. But, like, Mr. Sinister would do really good, really passing drag. I wasn't expecting you to reference Bob the Drag Queen at all, and I'm kind of broken right now. I need a minute. I'm just, and I'm making my point, I think. You know what I mean? Like, in terms of, like, fourth wall breakers and, like, poor She-Hulk, everyone's always like, Oh, are you a drag queen? And she's like, No, I'm She-Hulk. It's like, I imagine, and I obviously, I mean this really positively because she's the love of my life, but I feel like Mariah Carey probably gets asked if she's a Mariah Carey female impersonator a lot. So, Mr. Sinister gives a sense of the bigger picture that we've been hinting at. One of the biggest mysteries of House of X has been trying to understand how all of these storylines are coming together. Hickman was unwilling to leave any major corner of the X-verse untouched. He's entered into Magneto and Existence. Savior territory. Clearly, Moira X is the star of the show. Proteus, Apocalypse, Legion. There are a few things that I feel like I don't want to discuss about Powers of Ten until we introduce the main thing from House of X number 5, which is, of course, the Perpetual Mutant Machine. This was
3: fucking bonkers. I'm completely overwhelmed by that reveal.
0: And I think one of the things that's so fascinating about it is how it all works works out it takes gold ball producing bio eggs which are evidently what his gold balls are sure proteus to warp reality taking the unviable egg and make it viable elixir kickstarts the process of life initializing cell replication and husk growth tempest matures the husk to the desired age by controlling time and Hope enhances and synergizes the other Resurrection Mutants' powers to ensure the success of each Resurrection.
2: They finally made Hope actually be the Messiah that she was supposed to be.
0: So, I'm good with... We're going to go with all of that, all right? Let's go with all of that. But then there's a couple of notes (laughs) that kind of make me go, the fuck, right? Number one, they note that there has been no experiment regarding what happens when you combine a mutant mind with a husk that is not their own. I am not in the business of defining things by what they aren't, and that's a notable inclusion. Yeah, it's
2: very much foreshadowing.
0: I wonder if that's how we'll get modern-day chimeras. Then there's another note. Proteus's backup husk is always created from the genetic base of Charles Xavier. That feels kind of pointed at Moira to me. I don't know if anybody else felt like
1: that, but Proteus wasn't originally his son. And now every time he needs a husk, it's now Charles's body. I don't know. That to me sounds a little, you know.
0: I mean, he's credited as Kevin McTaggart, so they're just running with this. I am fascinated By those two elements. Well,
3: it's not like Charles is forcing Proteus' soul into the husk. Proteus is possessing the husk as he burns out his current husk.
0: It's more just curious that Legion just was involved in the whole Age of X-Men story. And frankly legion and or x-man could have operated as any one of these mutants essentially x-man could have created telekinetic and telepathic energy orbs that were turned into viable eggs legion could have acted as the proteus like any number of other wanda if you needed wanda could have stepped in Jamie Braddock, there are so many other mutants that could have been used that aren't resurrecting Moira's son to put in a genetic clone of Xavier, and we still haven't seen Xavier's face, and there's just so much going on here, but we now finally at last understand the opening pages of House of X number one.
3: And it's still super creepy. I'm sorry. It's, I still feel really unsettled by that imagery.
0: Absolutely. I don't think it's meant to go down easy. Part of what we're looking at is a forced rebirth. We're not talking about a minor shift in the ideology that defines the X-Men. We're talking about a massive change to what defines the characters. And this is certainly strengthened by Storm's... What's the phrase I'm looking for? (laughs) Creeptastic creeper speech. While Magneto gives his creeptastic one on one creeper speech to his sort of sometimes daughter. And oh, the next thing you know, all of the villains show up and are like, Hi, we heard today was the first day for registration for, for <laughs> Community <laughs> College. <laughs> right? That's what that ending feels like. They're all just like Apocalypse just kind of shows up and is like, Is today orientation? And everybody's just kind of like looking around and Exodus is like, Wee <laughs> wee oui, oui. orientation. That oh, stop. <laughs> I was about to be like, someone stop me already! Jesus!
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I will be completely honest with you. Everything I had considered, every aspect of this story I had looked at it from, I don't believe I ever considered what is probably the most important element of this. The X-Men Remember Dying. Jonah, as you read this, the stakes were really changed by the permanence of the action imprinting on the psyche of the X-Men. We're not talking about something where, oh, the X-Men die, and they're just willing to die over and over again. They all remember dying, and then Xavier experiences their death one after another. The gravity of that changes the context of the story. This is no longer about burning out husks. This adds scar tissue to the X-Men over and over again. How did it feel to watch Jean Grey die in space again? Well, you know, it was kind of mortifying seeing that she was
1: trying to escape back home after the mission was completed, only to be ripped apart by Sentinels. You know, that's a pretty scarring image, I will say so. It's interesting because... I like that more. I like that it's not mutants just can constantly reproduce. You know, when you have the idea of resurrection and cloning and copying and stuff like that, they're doing in X-Men right now. It can come across as, well, death is cheap and doesn't have any meaning and you can't use it as a tool for character development or whatever. But with everyone remembering their deaths, with Charles going through such excruciating pain through every single mutant's death that he's trying to bring back, it adds a lot more to it that makes it scary, worse, better. I'm not sure, but
0: I just, I like it more. I love, Jonah, that you're pointing out that you think the fact that the X-Men die and come back and would remember it, adds some amount of gravity to this story. Kyle, you just came from reading this big relaunch of Uncanny that had that beautiful cover for number one.
3: I had started reading midway through the Time Displaced original five.
0: So you'd seen a really important period in time in which a number of enormously, at least substantial, X-Men were killed and brought back immediately. Had you had some concerns about the validity of death playing into this new, nearly fascist X-Society, and knowing what's happening now, that it's this very delicate structure that requires these five mutants to do this very specific thing very exactly, and then Xavier to inject their psyche back into their husk, and it can only be the right brain into the right body, all of that. Do the restrictions comfort you at all?
3: I'm not sure it does. I mean, I like that we have a in-universe reason for bringing back characters that have been killed. But at the same time, it seems like everything is kind of sitting on the edge of a sword.
0: And it's a very delicate blade that we're all looking at, because what you're expressing, the idea that this can be a good and a bad thing, is so so nuanced. I appreciate what Jonah was saying about how he feels this is a good story direction, but it also gives me some creeptastic pause. Dylan. I need a little bit of context and a little bit of background. Hadn't Warpath just died in the pages of Uncanny X-Force or X-Force or Unforcey X-Cans or whatever the hell it was called recently? And was he back? Is he back? And if not, are you just now expecting to see him return?
2: He did come back. I think he like came super close to death, but didn't because of the weird healing factor that they decided to give him a few years ago.
0: Well, his brother sure could have used that. <laughs>
2: like Jonah said, I like the direction that it's going. But then also like Kyle said, I have pause because I am happy that they gave the little story about how when the X-Men die, they remember it and how hard it is for Charles because he gets to experience their deaths over and over again. To flashback to when the X-Men did die in space, and I'm going to try not to make this be all about my favorite person, Monet, but... Monet has never had the power to turn into penance. And I feel like this makes it seem like Monet has maybe died before. And it makes me wonder if when they put her back together if they put her back together wrong or with a little bit of an upgrade. And I know you and I have discussed this recently. At first, I was not very keen to this because the clone factor kind of makes me feel like I don't have my Monet. But actually, just a few minutes ago when we were talking about Sinister and how many times Sinister has died and has came back in a cloned body, he's still Sinister. If not, he's gotten better. So actually, in the course of the past 27 minutes that we've been recording, I've become very accepting of Monet being a clone and being put together maybe a little bit different to make her even more perfect.
0: And I love that you said put together differently to be even more perfect, because we're not arguing that the cycle of regeneration enhances or detracts from the characters inherently by no means are we arguing that this process that is very specific to these five mutants and a very this this is all a moment in time this isn't some expansive idea i don't see in 25 years them being like up well time to bring back cyclops using the perpetual mutant machine i'm excited to see where it goes because i think the confrontation of the mortality of the x-men which has always been used to propel the narrative forward, being confronted by the freedom of reincarnation. And this sort of, you know, you bring up that Penance can... Whoa. You bring up that Monet can transform into Penance readily now, which I also am a very big fan of. I'm personally curious why Jean is going by Marvel Girl and why she's listed as an Omega-level telepath. I'm not trying to be, like, a fanboy about it, but I had always thought Jean was a little bit more powerful as a telekinetic, so I feel like... Them saying that she's more powerful as a telepath is kind of shocking in some ways. And I have to wonder if that's because there was a perfect expression of her genetic code that would give her omega-level telepathic ability, which would better suit Charles' needs right now. I wonder how much of... This Krakoan cycle of resurrection allows for some superior expression of the gene form. Proteus is going to continue, as Kyle rightly pointed out, burning out bodies and needing new bodies. But I don't know that Xavier's body was necessarily right to handle Proteus previously. There's such a fine line, an incredible... It feels like a Rube Goldberg machine that's resting on... The very delicate balance of Xavier's psyche and his ex gene. And I'm really nervous that it's all gonna come toppling down. Yet at the same time, I'm fascinated because we only have three issues left. And I can't believe it's only been nine issues. I can't believe it's already been nine issues. I find myself shocked every time one of these is over, whether it's the amazing, sinister nine truths and a lie. Whoa, nope. <laughs> I can dream, can't I? I just feel like we're really looking at a bold, exciting era of X-Men. Kyle, as somebody who has taken in various eras, this title operates in various eras and doesn't commit to anything for very long. Whether it's year one, year ten, year one hundred, or year one thousand, which storyline are you looking for answers for the most, knowing that we have only a quarter of the story remaining?
3: Mm. I think that I really want to know where the Year 1000 storyline is going. I'm wondering if maybe this is the mysterious Moira 6 lifetime, but I'm also wondering where Moira is right now.
0: I agree. I am left with more questions than I comfortably believe fit in three issues, even if they're all supersized. Dylan, there are so many conflicts running, and they're also central to the idea of the X-Men. Whether it's the Orchis Protocols representing humanity's fear of mutants, or it's the human-robot-mutant war of the future, or even the battle for Krakoa that seems to be building on the pages of House Number 5. Which aspect of conflict that's driving the X-Narrative forward most has your attention?
2: I think it actually is this resurrection of the mutants and the five. I'm actually a person who has always been annoyed by Hope and some of the newer characters like Gold Balls. I've always loved Tempest, so I feel like them introducing these five and how important they are to the mutant society and mutant nation on Krakoa is very much foreshadowing to some pretty intense stories or battles now, especially with all the villains being on Krakoa as well. I feel like they are not going to be one with the rest of the X-Men and there could be some kidnapping of the five or something like that. That's what I'm most excited to see.
0: And I love everything you're saying, because what you're talking about is an eagerness to see the X-Men propelled forward where they are in their narrative now. I, too, am sick of the holding pattern. Also, can I just ask one thing? Can you say the character Gold Balls again?
2: Gold Balls?
0: There's something about the way you're like, Gold Balls. Gold Balls. Gold Balls? <laughs> like they evolved from zoo Balls or something. So, Jonah... We have one quarter left through an intense 12-issue event, your first X-Men event, and unlike a lot of X-Men events of the last 20 years, this has been laid out in very simple terms. It's been two series, the order has been printed in the back, and it's not even a tricky order to follow. You alternate books with two exceptions. For the most part, the X-Men have tried to take the mystery out of reading the event, and put the stress back on the event itself and i'm really excited that this is the time that you joined the x-men live how has this reading experience compared to your readings of the giant size x-men or new x-men by grant morrison I think this new event
1: is setting out to do what Grant Morrison wanted to do with his run, which is change the X-Men forever. And I think he's also combining the great aspects that Chris Claremont was able to do, which is introducing new characters or bringing life to characters that didn't have much of a say beforehand. So I think he's kind of combining the best of both worlds of, you know, doing something. I, from what it seems, gold balls doesn't seem that popular, but you know, he has a purpose now as opposed to just producing gold balls i don't know that's oh somebody ran out
0: of ideas (laughs) hey dylan say gold balls again (laughs) and until we come back and resurrect this mutant machine kyle where can everybody find you online
3: you can find me on both twitter and instagram at drantis82 Uh, amazing
0: dylan Dylan, goldballs, Dylan. we can't be you on the war pad, Dylan. Now I'm gonna to think
2: balls. every time I say gold balls. <laughs> um, Do you I, not I, hear, I it? hear like, it? now now i'm gonna cry once we're done everybody can find me on facebook at my x-men facebook group that is called house of x and you can find me on instagram at warpath underscore dylan that is warpath underscore d-y-l-a-n where can everybody find you jonah
1: writing my own nine lies and maybe one truth going in there and you know other hot goss <laughs> <My purple> personalities <laughs> Gossballs. balls that's not what it's called You can find me online on Twitter and Instagram at JonahRovino and at Jonah.Rovino. Nico, where can everybody find you? Sitting in
0: the corner thinking about what I've done because I've made Dylan cry. Like, I'm imagining it's all like Muppet (laughs) Baby versions of the four of us. So... It's really cute. Oh, right. Where am I? You can find me all over the network. I make HTML, which is husband's talking more or less. I make now and again, which I talk about music, talk about movies. So yeah, you guys should check me out all over this amazing network on the other feeds here and all over my Instagram at Nico Action. That's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. All right, guys. And until we return to the pages of Gray, Malkin Lane, we will see you. Bye. (laughs) Go balls.
1: I can't. I can't.
2: (laughs)